I'm Juan Carrillo. And I'm Jason Mendez, and you're listening to Black Chronicles. We would like to welcome you to our first episode of Block Chronicles, a new podcast series intersecting Latino studies, cultural studies, and education. With this first episode, we would like to share a little bit about ourselves, our respective experiences and stories. In future episodes of Block Chronicles, we will continue exploring this idea of home, as well as have special guest interviews on topics ranging from pop culture, sports, and issues impacting urban education. So let's start this first episode with how Juan and I met. In the spring of 2012, when I was a visiting professor at Duke University, I had emailed an old advisor of mine, Dr. George Noble, over at the University of North Carolina in the School of Education about a potential speaker for a uh, lecture series that I was running and uh, he suggested Juan Carrillo's name and I hit up Juan and sent him an email about coming over to speak and Juan uh, agreed and he came over to give a talk on Latino male scholarship, uh, uh, scholarship boys and some of his work. Um, but we met and uh, Juan was a young guy like myself and so you know even though Juan was this Chicano from uh, LA and I was this you know Boricua from the South Bronx, we had an instant connection in terms of Latinidad and being here in uh, the South. And so we just built a friendship that was based upon our experiences. And so I think that's what birthed kind of like this idea of Block Chronicles. And so it was just really about reminiscing about home. You feel silenced. And I guess when I met you, you had the East Coast thing going on. But in so many ways, I could still feel like your connection to maybe you reminded me of my friends or family, people out on the West Coast. Well, I was born uh, in South Central LA in a county hospital, Martin Luther King Jr. Hospital. My mother and my father are both Mexican immigrants, so they came to LA because they had family out there. So I was born in South Central and never really left more than 30 minutes away from that area. I always kind of moved wherever the apartments were cheap. So when the rent was under $400, we went to that neighborhood. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like school districts and helicopter parents. It was like, where's the rent under $400? You know, and so it was, whether it's Compton, Linwood, North Long Beach, it's like, it's got to be under $400. When my grandparents, uh, Ramon Mendez, and uh, at the time her maiden name Hilda Velasquez, uh, they lived in Puerto Rico and they moved to New York when my grandmother was 16 and my grandfather was 14. They moved to New York and that's where they met. My grandfather worked in the housing tenements in the Lower East Side as a super. Uh, that's where my father was born. Uh, he's actually one of eight kids, the second oldest of eight kids. And so, you know, when the housing tenements got bad, that's when they moved to the Hunts Point section of the brunch and that's where they were, you know, ever since. And so, and so that's where I grew up until I was about, uh, what? 15, 16 years old? How long you were in Compton or LA? I was in that area. I was born there and I was all the way through age 18 through high school. So it was um, when I graduated from high school that I started to take a journey outside of the area. But my first 18 years playing baseball, basketball, soccer, playing tag with your friends, um, friends that backed you up when bad situations came up, it all went down in South LA, working class community, communities, barrios, all around South LA. So I actually didn't really under, know white people until I went to college. 
You know, it's like I discovered white people when I was 18. Never been on an airplane. Didn't know I had to buy books when I went to college. I was looking for them under my desk. And a white friend that I made in college was like, you know you have to buy them at the bookstore. And I signed up for a credit card. And I got a free Visa shirt with a Visa shirt logo mm -hmm. on it. And I got debt and I got books. <laughs> and, you know, that... That, that kind of those are the kind of crazy transitions you know to go from a place where it's black and brown and all of a sudden just like that all gets taken away where'd you go to school i went to the university of michigan that was my first experience how you find michigan from la yeah. well i wanted to go out of state because um i just i just wanted to see what was out there because you see things on movies and you see things on pbs and it's all these people in all these different parts of the country, and I didn't have money to go see those places. So I was like, maybe the way to do it is through through college. So I was like, I'm going to go far, you know? And plus, I had a bad situation where I was at the end because my, my cousin was murdered in my front yard, and the cops started tapping our phones, and there was, there was some fear in my family that we were next, that something was going to happen to us. So that was really traumatic to kind of like, see your cousin die in your front yard. And then there were a lot of drive-by shootings back in those days too that we were experiencing. So those were some real situations that were happening. So I was 18, 17 or 18. And I was like, well, I could go to UCLA. I could go to USC, but I could also just kind of get like, like a, sec a second win and then, and then, and then kind of take it from there. And I felt like leaving California at the time was away from my brain and my heart to kind of get back to where it needs to be. And Michigan was not my first choice. I wanted to go to the University of Miami because I thought at least there's some Latinos over there, you know. But my college advisor was like, we had like this at college counseling office. She's like, you do know that the best school from the ones you got accepted at is Michigan. And I was a fan of the Fat Five mm -hmm. and the basketball team. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'll go to Michigan. You know, I didn't take into consideration nothing else. Weather, <laughs> how far it is, nothing. So, yeah, I went to Ann Arbor out of all places. So, I, I mean, because I know you besides this. So I know Michigan didn't last nah. too, too long for you. No, nah, that, <laughs> that was like six months. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt like depressed because I had like a really high high school GPA. And my idea was like, oh, if I hit the books hard, then I guess I'll have a good, good scholarship. You know, the whole idea of the scholarship. And I lost it. Because I don't know, I just, I missed everything. I missed home. I missed everything. I missed the pickup truck, the hydraulics. I missed the, the, the lady that would pass by and always say hi to my mom. I missed people that had cars and would always put the windows down and play the latest music. I just missed not having a code switch. I missed the restaurant on the corner. I mean, I missed it all, man. I missed the way the, the smog smelled in LA. I, I missed knowing that I, in, in 20 minutes I can get to the beach and just look at the waves and get on a boogie board and just ride them for five minutes and just kick back on the sand till the sun, sun sets. I mean, I just missed that ambiance. I missed that vibe. I missed that soul. And here I am in the Midwest and it's like huge trees, cold weather. And my, my peers were all about going skiing. I wasn't about that skiing, you know? I was about a completely different story. And I was the kind of person that I did the professional thing or like the school thing, but those people were not my friend friends. My friend friends were mechanics or 
got F's in classes or struggled through different kind of um, addictions or things like that. Like those were the people that I considered real. And to suddenly have to make friends with people that were set up to be successful, like I didn't trust them. Like I didn't trust them besides like, hey, help me out with my homework assignment. Or beyond that, I was like, where are my friends gonna come from? So going into my first time going to LA or even California, let me ask you this. So there's this old movie in the 80s, uh, Beach Street. And uh, there's this scene in it. I've been thinking about him for almost a year. Man, he could play them conga drums too. We're supposed to get up a band. It's been my dream to play in a band in New York City. This ain't New York, this the Bronx. For you, is there a, yeah. a difference? Like, is there California than LA? Or even within LA, other different subgroups? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like not until I left LA did I see the bigger LA of what people think about LA. Because I, I was in, I was in my own little specific space within the bigger LA, and that specific space had like certain kind of characteristics, like the kind of people that live there, the kind of um, the kind of stories that are there, mm -hmm. and the kind of like um, even stores that are there, right? Um, like the, even like the way people dream or not dream, the way people hope or not hope, it's like very unique to those places because so many people. You know, so many of us were children of immigrants. So our immigrants came with like the struggle from where they came from and they come to the States and we're learning lessons or consejos from our immigrant families about how hard life was or how we need to, you know, make sure we do good. And, you know, my mom, my mom was always about like, if you respect yourself, you respect others, you're a good person. You don't need to go to school, man. If it's raining, kick back with me, man. We could talk about life, and you could learn more here. Like my mom was never like, you need to go to school and get like the best grades. And, and but when I did, she showed me off. But she was like, no, it's all. It's really about that per that thing called being a really good human being. Mm. And if you just work a job at something that people generally in society don't consider to be valuable, you're valuable to me and the world. If, if you're a person that's respectful and and you give back somehow. Like, you know what I mean? Like those kind of values. But the values in that kind of low income environment and in, in that kind of household are not necessarily the values of the, of the spaces in LA where people are, are raised to, to be social climbers and to continue perpetuating the privilege of their families. And, and, and that's not the way I was raised, right? I was raised in a completely different LA where like it was about your family, and it was about your culture, and it was about joy, you know? It's okay to have a good time. We had like, there were so many parties, man. It's like, everybody's always having a party over everything, man. <laughs> it's like, someone had a birthday. I was like, that just happened last weekend. What you mean he's having a birthday again this weekend, man? And this cousin and that cousin has a birthday. And I just remember being in so many vans and we're taking trips to someone's birthday. Tell, tell the story. Aluminum of, foil. I was aluminum foil, man. Tell the story of um, the party you went to when you got into Michigan. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I told my dad, I was like, hey, man, we had, I have an orientation that I have to go to for all freshmen from the LA area. There, there, there's a house where they're inviting all those freshmen to go hang out and check it out. And... Um, kind of get together with their future classmates so my dad was like where's this house and I'm like I don't know man it's, it's in West LA somewhere so I'm in, I'm over there I'm in Compton 
West LA was like, I don't know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, but it might have well been another planet. So I'm like, I think I know it's that direction, that way west. And I don't know how I figured out a map and I kind of got him there, but I didn't get him there, get him there. So I go, get off, get off, get off, right here, Wilshire, Wilshire, get off. And then beyond that, I don't know what kind of map I had where I was like, yo, I have no idea where this house is. So I go, somehow I'm like, look, and this is something I do to this day. And my wife is like, why do you always do that? I pull over at gas stations and ask for help. Mm -hmm. So I pull over <laughs> at a gas station and I'm like, listen, man, I'm looking for this house. You know, it's very important it's for my college. Can you give me a sense of where this house is? I know I'm close. It's like, yeah, man, just go here, go there, go there. So we, we take this 70-something Ford Fairmont, and I think the hubcaps were painted, spray-painted blue. Um, car's pretty, got a couple of dents, you know, about four different layers of paint jobs. We're not sure what color it really is. So here, like, two Mexican guys and this Ford Fairmont. And we're going through these neighborhoods, and all of a sudden I'm noticing that there's money here. I'm like, where exactly am I? There's money here. And I put two and two together, and I'm basically in Beverly Hills. So I'm in Beverly Hills, and somehow we get to the house. And when we get to the house, my dad pulls up at the curb. And at the exact moment he pulls up, I think I'm sweating in my forehead already. I'm super nervous because I see a mansion. I see money. I never talked to a human being who's owned a mansion. I don't know how people uh, think about talking in these mansions. So I'm stressing out. Like, I'm like, God, help me. God, Jesus, if you exist, is the moment where you step into my life because I'm in a mansion <laughs> and I got to find my way through this day. It's, I feel like I was taking an SAT test, man. I was like, man, I don't know what this is about. But at the moment he parked the car, my dad, you know, no one had ever gone to college. Couldn't tell me anything about this, but he's showing the struggle. He's going to take his son to the orientation. His car goes on fire or something. <laughs> and like so many times, the car will get you to certain places in our, in our family. But eventually something's gonna pop and then we gotta like ad lib and figure out how to fix it. So yeah, man, the car was like smoking and I'm like in a 74 family in a rich neighborhood. Cars got smoke coming out of the front, man, out of the hood. <laughs> and, and I have no like, I wasn't good with cars. I'm like, what do I do, man? I'm all dressed up. I got the good cologne on. I got iron my clothes. Tell, I mean, them, tell them about the red shirt. Yeah, the red, the red shirt I was wearing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it had a bunch of squares or something, all these bright colors and stuff. Yeah, everybody had like these flat, solid colors, and I had like pink, red, and all these different like bright colors. I think my shoes were suede, and they also had like a couple of colors in the middle, like really bright red and purple. But my but my dad, he um he walks through the middle of their lawn, gets the water hose, steps over a bunch of plants that cost more probably than his car. And he tries to water it down. He puts up the hood, and he's like pulling the, you know. And I'm like, what's going on here, man? Like, we're like, we just messed up all the flowers. <laughs> the car's blowing up, and I'm supposed to get off this car and go like interact with these people. And I go into the mansion, man. The door's huge, man. I was like Shaquille O'Neal times two. This door, man. Who has a door like this? And they open the door. Oh, hi, welcome. You know, it was like all of a sudden I went from like the world of. I don't want to say insecurity, but like the world of like, oh man, like there's like always doubt, mm. you know, when you, when, when you don't get things automatically, it's like, oh man, I don't know, you just be careful, you know, but all of a sudden I, I entered a world where it was like fantasy land, right. welcome, every, come on in, have a seat, like it seemed like everybody just felt great, that life is beautiful, and I walked through that door and 
So I'm thinking it's a party because that's why I dressed up the way I dressed up, you know, with those bright colors and a little bit of a baggy pants and my shoes. Thinking there was a DJ in the back <laughs> as soon as I got through the door, and there was going to be some like maybe some meals, like some 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 carne asada or something I could grow <laughs> up right before we get ready to dance. But there was no music. There was nothing. It was just people like with cheese and wine. I never drank wine. Like, and I don't. Why, why would I want cheese? Like, if it's not a bologna sandwich, why would I want to? Why would I want cheese, man? So I had no idea like how you worked a room like that. I'm like, should I sit in the sofa? Why are people around the island kitchen? And why do they have like a 45 degree angle on the right shoulder? And what do they talk about? What do these kind of people talk about? They were all white. I was like, what do these people talk about? So I think I was sweating the whole time and, and I'm trying to get close to the island kitchen. One guy was reading the Wall Street Journal and everybody's just like, in the, it just felt like the conversations were in a place of privilege. Like, yeah, like it was no longer gonna be the conversation I had with my friends in the neighborhood. It was this other kind of conversation thing that was happening that I didn't have that language. I didn't have that language because we've never talked about mm -hmm. that. Yeah, man, but I was like, how is this a party, man? <laughs> how, no music, no food, just cheese and wine and a cracker. And then people talking about the weather and, and their degrees and how their father went to Michigan and their third generation, whatever. <laughs> and I was just like, I can't wait till my dad comes back and pick me up, man. I hope he fix that car, man. <laughs> because it's this place, man. But I think it was the first time where I saw like the world I was about to enter. Like, I, I felt uncomfortable. And I'm like, if I felt uncomfortable at orientation now, what's gonna happen when I'm actually with these people in school? Mm. You know, so it's like, it was like, it was like, it was like a marker, man. I was 18 and I was like, oh man, it's different over there. And like, do I have to be like that? Do I have to be like these people? Like, you know, to each their own, but maybe I don't wanna be like that. Right. You know, so yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was draining and it was <clears throat> one of those one of those transition points in life where like once once you cross it I mean you're always gonna know that that, that exists yeah. and it's gonna socialize you in some ways too you know it's funny you hear me talk I think about my cousin Leon who's um, from our generation he's the oldest mm -hmm. out of everybody then comes me then his sister who's uh, a year younger six months younger than I am but he was the first of our generation to go to college and so he went to Dominican College which is in upstate New York um I think it was a Catholic college because I remember there was nuns and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But um, but for him, he had kind of like the same experience with you. Like it was the first time like being in the predominantly white space and just the cultural shock of being there. He tells me this funny story. Cause I don't know for you like going to school in LA, but like you know growing up in the Bronx, like when it's the first day of school. Like you wearing like your new sneakers, your new jeans, your new shirt that mm -hmm. they bought you, yeah, your new yeah. school clothes. Yeah, sporty your new stuff. Yeah, so for him, like he went, his first day of classes, he's like, yo, <laughs> I went to the store, got me some new jeans, got me a new shirt, got me a brand new pair of sneakers. You know, I'm looking fresh for the first day of class. And he goes, and he's like, <laughs> all these white kids is in their pajamas. And like, <laughs> so he's like, you know, like, what is this? <laughs> so, so this whole cultural... See, I just didn't understand the whole like granola, like like winter angle. And I thought I was fresh in the way I was dressing. And I forgot, I think back then, like there were certain kind of long sleeve shirts I would wear and, and I refused to wear like a, a coat that would cover that. So I would be <laughs> real cold all the time. 
Cause I was like, man, these people just cover up, man. They're like, they're like, like animals, like, like in the woods or something. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I was like, that's not LA style. You don't just put all those jackets on, man. So wearing, like, covering, you're gonna see your eyes, man. You know, so it took me a long time to get a jacket, man. So we're talking about this, uh, the initiation of this project, trying to get the people more than trying to get the ivory tower, right? What do you think the the block means? Is it the that? block? Is that what it means? The block is representative of wherever you came from. So for us, the block is rooted in particularities. For example, for me, the block is the 600 block of Manita Street in the South Bronx. Uh, but specifically, the block is the upper half of the 600 block of Manita Street. It's that uh, intersection between Manita Street and Spafford. Uh, right in front of Chuitos Bodega that we hung out every day from we were little kids to uh, mid-teens. Like, that's the block. That's where our stories are rooted in. So for me, Block Chronicles is reflective of those stories of not just my own, but, you know, all my dudes I grew up with, Gilbert, Angel, Jose, Juan, DJ, his little brother Steven, you know, Wookie, my step-cousin Mark, uh, Leon. Like, that's the block, our stories. What about what's the block for you? Well, me, what for was me, your block? for me, for me, the block is um, all the things I did, and all the things, and where I did them, and who I did them with. So it's everything from the swap meet to the schools. <laughs> they had they, they had crazy uh, they had security guards checking up at, uh, pockets to get into the school every morning to families all the immigrant families in South Central and Compton and Linwood and Southgate and Paramount it's the people that were showing the Mexican movies on the second floor this movie theater and everybody on the bottom floor show uh, selling pants at a certain price all Mexican owned shops it's it's those communities man working class it's playing outside with your buddies and it's it's it's, it's the neighborhood the neighborhood vibe of those communities it's also, it's also privileging the stuff we grew up with. Yeah. So, like, for example, you yeah. talk about uh, Tupac and his songs. And the first time I met you when you were doing that talk, you quoted Ice Cube. Mm -hmm. and I think that's what connected me to you because mm -hmm. in my papers, I'm quoting Nas and I'm quoting KRS-One mm -hmm. and I'm quoting mm -hmm. Big Pun. Right, right, and I'm right. like, we called upon people that were, like, our philosophers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, while people, exactly. While people are quoting Dewey and... Uh, Foucault. Foucault and Pierre Bourdieu and... And you know, all these cultural theorists yeah. and like that that they won't when I know one thing we talked about before is like when they were writing their pieces they weren't thinking about like, <laughs> people like us. <laughs> yeah. So wait, we quote in those people that are close to us that resonate with our experiences. Yeah. And, and you made me think too that I was raised with musical traditions that position the establishment not as a fact, but as an idea. And the establishment is an idea that needs to be challenged and not really just challenged, it's an idea that often injures people like us. I think that's, that's, that's all to say that, you know, in the uncomfortable, like, like I said in a talk at UNC once, I found my sound. So whenever I meet people that are too much in the comfortable, I don't trust, right? Because I think this Black Chronicle thing is, in the uncomfortable, coming from the uncomfortable, man. We, can, we, we have a set of stories that came from the uncomfortable, right? They came from those kind of places. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Black Chronicles. 
Black Chronicles is brought to you by the Latina Latino Education Research Hub, housed at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill School of Education. You can follow us at Black Chronicles on Instagram and Twitter. Check out our blog at blackchronicles.wordpress.com. Thank you.